This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. This evening we'll continue our series that we're in right now, titled Biblical Protocols for Prayer. The word protocol is what reminds us of the proper, the right way to do things. And in God's word, the Lord Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount taught his disciples at their request, taught them how to pray. And he didn't say just pray this prayer. In fact, it is not the Lord's prayer in that sense. That comes later in John 17 where Jesus prays for us. And if you want to be encouraged, go look at what he prayed for us. Knowing that what he prayed for us, the Lord Jesus always got answers. But he gives us a model prayer. And that model prayer in Matthew 6, uh, that prayer teaches us how to pray. What should be the substance of our prayers? What are the protocols? What things should we be including in our prayers, in our praying? And I'm so thankful the Lord gave that to his disciples because most of us, I would say probably everybody in this room has memorized that passage of scripture, the Lord's Prayer. But uh, my hope is that as we look at these truths from God's word, when you repeat those phrases, your mind immediately expands to what else God says about those protocols And then you just open your heart to speak to the Lord about those things. So tonight we're going to look at the kingdom protocol. But let me just share this by way of introduction. The kingdom of God is directly mentioned 70 times in your New Testament. In Matthew 6.10 we're commanded to pray, Thy kingdom what? Thy kingdom come. This acknowledges a kingdom that has been and that will continue into the eternal future. Now in the past, this kingdom included Israel when God brought about the nation and became her king. Israel was part of that kingdom. You'll remember that God was their king. Later they decided they wanted to be like the other nations and they asked for a king. It grieved Samuel, but God said, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. They don't want me to be king. How'd you like a king that can overthrow the strongest of empires and then part a big sea to help you escape? How'd you like a king that can shower down food from heaven? And oh, by the way, if you feel like you're lacking meat, well, he'll just have that fly right into the camp for you. You need water? Just ask and he'll bring it out of a rock. And by the way, the things you're wearing, they don't wear out. How about a king like that? But the human heart says, no, not good enough. 
Reminds us of two perfect people in a perfect garden that said, yeah, we have all this to eat, but how about that tree over there? All right. And so God included Israel for a time as being part of that kingdom. Although Israel rejected God's authority and were overcome by other kingdoms, God's authority in heaven has never been diminished. In fact... His kingdom has continued to expand as the true children of Abraham. Jews and Gentiles believe on Christ, Jesus the Messiah, as Abraham did. And so the kingdom continues to expand. Romans 4, 11 and 12 talks about the fact that we are part of that kingdom through faith. Now, are Christians truly part of a heavenly kingdom? Are we really part of a heavenly kingdom? Well, let me have you consider. If you have your Bible in front of you, I'll put it up here for you to read as well. Colossians 1, 12 and 13. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us me to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. That inheritance... And brilliant like God's light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into, watch this, the kingdom of his dear son. So let's answer the question. Yes, you are part of a kingdom. In fact, you're children of the king, princesses, priests. And kings. That's what God says we are. Now in Jew, the Jews in Jesus' day, including the Pharisees, wanted a Messiah who would overthrow Rome and restore Israel as a kingdom. Now notice what the Lord tells them in Luke 17, 20 and 21. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words... You can think you see signs of his coming. And and in fact, the scripture is specific that there are some signs. But throughout the church age, the Lord's disciples have thought the Lord's return was imminent. And by the way, in God's economy, it is imminent. It can happen at any time. I think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But it cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is, and I've italicized it for emphasis, is within you. All right, yes, there is a physical kingdom coming where King Jesus will reign in Jerusalem. But his unseen kingdom is already here because he indwells saints who are all over this world. The kingdom is here. His kingdom does have geography, or does not have geography here right now, but is in heaven. This kingdom does have a standing army here, but our fight here is not physical, but spiritual. John 18, 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. 
But now is my kingdom not from hence, or not from here. So while Jesus walked on the earth, King Jesus was here. Those who would believe on him after Pentecost, then he would come to live right here. So with the king dwelling here, and we become his temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, what you're looking at tonight is kingdom property. And I'm looking at kingdom property too. So when Jesus told his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, what exactly were they to be asking for? When you pray that, what are you to be asking for? Well, we want to answer that question tonight. Scripture answers it for us. As we examine the scriptures, the disciples asking was to have two parts in view. And let me just give you a chart that will help to explain this. We're going to look at some texts tonight to help us illustrate. When I pray thy kingdom come, I'm praying for something that is immediate. All right, Lord, thy kingdom come to the human heart. And Lord, thy kingdom come in yielded hearts. Do you know that Christ can live in my heart, but my heart can be pursuing things that are not of the kingdom, right? All right, so this is the spiritual focus when we pray, thy kingdom come. And we'll try to make that very practical tonight. Then there's a future focus. The fact that the literal throne of David in Jerusalem will be occupied by the Son of God. I can't wait for that to happen. Imagine seeing what King Jesus is doing when the news comes on at night. CNN, Christ's News Network. Okay? Now, don't leave here and say, Pastor said there's going to be television and news, okay, in the millennium. I didn't say that. I said imagine, okay. But this is the physical focus. Lord, bring your kingdom back here. All right. And so let's begin tonight by looking at the kingdom protocol. The kingdom protocol. Thy kingdom come. I want to begin with the first part of what we're asking when we pray. Thy kingdom come. Now our request, as we just saw in that chart, is first immediate. Let's talk about the fact that it's in hearts. Remember Luke 17, 21? The kingdom of heaven is within you. So when we pray thy kingdom come, what we're asking or what we should be asking is, Lord, bring your kingdom into hearts. Bring your kingdom into hearts. In my personal devotional time, when I pray through the Lord's model prayer, this is where I stop and where I pray through for the lost. Lord, right now, you've been barred from their hearts. Right now, they don't know you to invite you into their hearts. Lord, bring your kingdom into hearts. So I pray for my unsaved family members. In our prayer sheet, we have a list on, just on the inside cover 
of those where you have asked, pray for my family, pray for my neighbors, okay? I pray through that list. I've got other lists of lost that I pray for. That's part of this immediate praying. Remember when Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. At salvation, every believer receives the gift of the Holy Spirit of Christ. Literally, the king of the kingdom takes his rightful place inside the heart of the, by way of person of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about that? How is it that you became royalty? Well, the king moved in. And you became part of his family. In fact, you became part of his body. Romans 8 9 says this, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In fact, he's not part of the kingdom. She's not part of the kingdom unless the spirit of Christ dwell in you. Well, how does he move in? As soon as I receive him, he gives me the power to become a child of God, even to those who will believe on his name. So daily we should be asking the king to bring his kingdom to hearts through salvation as he indwells those who are regenerated. At that very moment, the new believer becomes a citizen of Christ's kingdom. Now there's a second part to this immediate Right, that right now. And that is in yielded hearts. When I pray thy kingdom come, I should also pray for those who are part of the kingdom, but they're not participants in the kingdom. Have you ever known somebody who knew Christ, professed Christ, and there was a time in their life when they acted like a child of the kingdom, but right now not so much? Uh, Sunday, we talked about Demas. Was Demas genuinely saved? I believe he was. I believe we're going to see Demas in heaven. We don't know what happened after after Paul penned those words, but he had forsaken at that time the Apostle Paul because he loved this present world. I don't think he was ready to meet Jesus in the kingdom, At one time he had a heart for the kingdom, but at the time of Paul's writing those words, he had walked away. So, that in mind, just because a Christian is indwelt by the king and a subject of Christ's kingdom, it doesn't mean King Jesus reigns in the heart. This is why Jesus admonished in Matthew 6.33, In the same chapter where we find the Lord's model prayer, he said this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first, what? The kingdom. The kingdom of God. By the way, the context there is, your heart can be drawn away to things that even you need. What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Remember that whole context? And the Lord says, look, Don't think on those things. God knows you need those things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness being my obligations before God as a member of his kingdom. Consider the words of Harold Vaughn. This is a lengthy quote, but I think it will be a help to you. 
He says this, kingdom living means moment by moment submission to the king of glory. We cannot be under the rulership of Christ while determining our own agendas and governing our own affairs. A crucified life means that self is no longer, let's read on. Living for Christ simply means yielding ourselves and our members to Christ's indwelling spirit on a continual basis. When Jesus occupies the throne of our hearts, he is in command of our thinking, choosing, and feelings. To pray thy kingdom come is an invitation for Jesus to take the throne of our hearts on earth. Thy kingdom Now, the next part of our Lord's Prayer actually continues this part. Thy kingdom come, as we say to the Lord in chapter 6, verse 10, Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, do you see the important connection there? This is not fanciful language. Our old nature has been crucified with Christ, Romans 6, 6. We have the king's new nature. As we yield to his spirit, God's desires become our desires. His power accomplishes kingdom work here, just like it happens in heaven. Have you ever considered how God's work gets done in heaven? Now, if if you go early by way of the grave, the valley of the shadow of death, you'll get to watch it before the rest of us do, or if I go early. But even if the rapture happens tonight and we all get caught up, the events of Revelation, we're going to have a front row seat. And what you read in the book of Revelation is this, His will being done on earth as His will is done in heaven. What He determines there is done perfectly here. But here's the reality. With King Jesus living right here, guess what? What he wants to do in heaven, what his will is there, you can flesh that out completely here. Not through your strength, but through his strength. And by the way, your Bible is the record of God's will in heaven being fleshed out here through the lives of people that were just yielded to it. There's power in heaven. But you have somebody like Elijah, God rains down fire from heaven. What about what Jesus accomplished through his earthly ministry? That power? That that power is available to you and me because he lives right here. We could go on and on to develop that. I'm not suggesting that we become gods like the cults teach. Uh, I'm not suggesting that, that whatever we determine is, is uh, accomplished. But what God determines when we are yielded to him, it's done here. In fact, what have we read in Matthew 18? That where believers here agree on things this side of heaven... And, and we bind things or we loose things here, what's the scripture say? It's bound and it's loosed in heaven. As long as we are doing it, not according to our will, but according to his will. That is the connection with earth, 
when heaven's citizens are yielded to the king. I, I want to get hold of that in my own life. I pray that we can get hold of that here at Good News Baptist Church. Now, when the kingdom of heaven comes to hearts by faith and the heart is yielded to the king, the Christian becomes a worthy ambassador for Christ. So tonight we're having an ambassador's meeting. Did you realize that? 2 Corinthians 5.20 All of us are ambassadors of the kingdom. We represent God's eternal kingdom to those enslaved in Satan's dark and broken kingdom here. Consider this. The king's control of your heart right now equals the kind of ambassador you are for him. Don't raise your hand, but have you met some really, really good ambassadors of Christ? I mean, they're effective. They just, wherever they go, they are great representatives of the kingdom. I mean, people just people that are lost just know there's something different about them. In fact, they might even come out and say this, you're not from around here, are you? Okay. That ought to be every Christian. Why is she smiling? What's her problem? You know. Why are they singing? Why are they joyful? Why do they, things don't seem to bother them. Ah, good ambassador. And then we've all met the other kind, right? You're a Christian. Don't tell anybody. Fix it first, please. All right. All right. So the king's control of our heart determines the kind of ambassador we are for him. Is it a privilege to be an ambassador of Christ? It sure is. It sure is. If you haven't noticed, the world's a mess. Uh, People, if, if they're... If they want this to be their home and this to meet all their needs, that's scary. They need Christ. So praying the kingdom protocol, thy kingdom come, has the immediate in view. Let's close tonight with the fact that it also has the future in view. So when I pray thy kingdom come, I am also praying for the Lord to return physically, and set up his kingdom reigning in Jerusalem. Now here's the way I pray this because I believe from the scripture it's very clear that the next thing on his prophetic timeline is this seven years of great tribulation. The rapture, church taken out, and then seven years of tribulation. So I pray it this way, Lord, would you come back... So I'm praying for the rapture, and would you set in motion the events that will bring your kingdom to this earth? I think it's the same as what John prayed, even so come Lord Jesus. Okay. And so in Luke 1, when Gabriel visited Mary with news that she would bear the Christ child, he said this in verses 32 and 33, He, the Christ shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. 
And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Question, when Jesus reigns for a thousand years in Jerusalem, here on earth, will that thousand year reign end, yes or no? Not a trick question. It's not going to, you don't stop his reign, right? Now, it will end from that Jerusalem. But when Satan raises an army and they march on Jerusalem that last time, he deals with the problem. He creates all things new. And John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. And it's there hovering over this new earth. Question, did Jesus ever stop reigning, yes or no? No. No. Now that particular thousand years from the Jerusalem here, yes. But it was a transition. It was not an overthrow. It, all right, so what... What the angel, what Gabriel is predicting to Mary, is exactly what the Lord would carry out. And he is carrying out. Now some, like progressive dispensationalists, and if you uh, want to know more about that, you can go talk to Pastor Long. He's got all the answers on that, all right? But progressive dispensationalists debate whether this really is an earthly reign or if David's throne is only in heaven. It'd be much simpler if they would just look at all that the scripture says. Let me help us with that tonight. Scripture answers this question. Consider with me Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. In our King James Bible, branch is capitalized. And a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice. And notice the next three words. In the earth. In his days. You realize that in heaven there aren't any more days. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Here's another passage, Jeremiah 33, 16. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. Do you realize that in the age to come, the new Jerusalem, there is no threat to that Jerusalem. At that point, all enemies have been done away with eternally. In fact, Scripture tells us this about that new Jerusalem. Those gates never close. What's that tell us? No threat to the city, right? And this is the name wherewith she shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. Consider Revelation 20 and verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, 
And judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years." Now, what's so precious about this passage is as John is writing, remember, he's a human author under inspiration, and he's trying to put into words everything that he's seen. And he's seen things in heaven, and he's seen things here on earth, thrones, and then Christ's reign here, and he puts it all together. What does that tell us? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right? And so a literal thousand-year reign with Christ sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. Now again, the fact that there's a time stamp on Revelation 20 verse 4 is still an earthly setting, with the implications being defined by multiple prophetic passages. And I wish we had time tonight to look at those. Remember those passages where the Bible tells us that there won't be anything that threatens on this earth. A baby can play on the den of a snake and the lion and the lamb are doing what? They're lying down together. In fact, the lion has a new diet. He likes hay and grass. Okay. King Jesus reigning. Nothing is a threat to anything else here. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all those prophetic texts, they come into view right here. Christ's kingdom. Now with this understanding, this is what I pray to the Lord. Thy kingdom come. Again, set in motion the events that will bring your physical kingdom to this earth. Lord Jesus, King Jesus, would you please come and reign in Jerusalem? Now let's conclude. Praying thy kingdom come is not some distant hope or utopian fantasy. It is a present as well as a future reality, and we're to ask God for it to come. Now, now let me help you tonight. If you will begin your praying with the praise protocol, again, our Father which art in heaven, the Father protocol, and then you, you move on to, hallowed be thy name. Lord, you are worthy of praise. You are in control. Everything you do perfectly according to the word of your power. And then we give him praise for all that he is doing. And we say, thy kingdom come. Before you ever get on to those other things, that will so transform your perspective about the reality of your life as a believer, you'll be ready to pray. Really pray. As we see the signs of Christ's return drawing nigh, we must stay busy helping the lost prepare for his coming by urging them to become part of his kingdom through saving faith. You know one of the greatest things you can tell to somebody you care about who needs the Lord? You can just simply say to them, I am so glad my citizenship is not here. Come again? Oh no. I don't have to worry about any of this. I've got a home with God in heaven because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. You'll have their attention. King Jesus came 2,000 years ago, didn't he? 
and he provided salvation. He came as Savior. Do you know all those prophecies that, that predicted his first coming? There are a bunch more that are predicting his second coming, and he is coming the same way he came the first time. He became a man, and now he is coming not as Savior, but as King to reign. But those prophecies will be fill, fulfilled literally and absolutely. As conquering king, he is coming back. Let's help those in darkness know the wonderful truth. I'll just close tonight with Romans 17, or 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. Christian friend, what are you living for? Are you a good ambassador? What have you set your heart on? Hopefully it's not things here on earth, but on things above. Where Christ sitteth enthroned the right hand of his father kingdom of god is not meat drink but righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost so let's pray daily earnestly joyfully father thy kingdom come let's stand together father thank you for the lord jesus and tonight i close by praying lord would you send jesus back King Jesus, would you come back and set in motion the events that will bring your kingdom here. But Lord, you're waiting for more souls to be saved. Souls for whom you died, just like you died for each of us. And Lord, you're waiting. There's going to come a time when that last soul in your perfect plan is going to be saved. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, Lord, but you're going, to, you're going to signal the angelic trumpeter. There will be a voice, a shout, and then the trump of God. Lord, help us to be good ambassadors right now. Once that trump sounds, our opportunity to sow seed, our opportunity to tell people of our love for you and your saving grace, it'll be done. So help us to be good representatives of the kingdom as members of your kingdom, citizens. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.